Hello and welcome to a Tuesday episode of the State of the Nova Nation. I'm Eugene Rapay. He's Chris Stanziel. Chris, the Cats are looking like themselves again. First off, they were just raining threes on the DePaul Blue Demons. And then over the weekend, getting a nice tough road win in a tough road environment at the Centile Center over the Xavier Musketeers. Just feels like, you know, things are starting to shape up again. Yeah, it's nice to get back on the winning track a little bit. Last week was pretty good with wins over Marquette and Temple after a three-game losing streak. And then you followed it up with a laugh-out-loud game against DePaul where literally everything was falling. And then, as you mentioned, a nice little road win against Xavier in which, you know, was a tough road environment, sure, but I honestly never felt concerned during that game. I thought they were in control from start to finish, so it's looking good right now. And, you know, the, the competition, you can argue, doesn't get all that hard this week, but the following week will. But this week at home, two games, very winnable. It's looking good. Yeah, we saw the Cats just absolutely light it up against Temple in the second half, and they took their hot shooting hands with them on their nice little road trip to the Windy City because they could not miss. And it wasn't one of – it was just insane. I've never seen a shooting performance like this. I don't even think nope. the 2018 team, probably the Kansas Final Four game, it was from start to finish. They were just raining from deep. Yeah, it was kind of reminiscent of that. Obviously, the stakes were much, much, much oh, lower. Yeah. The competition was much less quality. But like I said, it was I was laughing at how <laughs> funny it was that they just were just hacking up everything and it was all falling. Yeah, absolutely insane. You have Sadiq Bay dropping five three pointers. Colin Gillespie is dropping five. Justin Moore is also cashing in. He had four three pointers. Jermaine Samuels, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, so many different guys just cashing in from deep. As a team, they shot sixty nine point two percent, a nice percentage. Eighteen mm-hmm. trays, a ninety one to seventy one win. Sadiq Bay looking great, adding another one for that NBA draft highlight package. 20 points, as we said, a little up from deep, but he also had seven assists, a pair of steals. Then Colin Gillespie and Justin Moore with 17 points apiece. Demir Cosby Roundtree, don't, don't get it twisted. Yes, everyone's cashing in from deep, but Demir Cosby Roundtree, we got to give this man his props because he absolutely killed it in his 16 minutes of action. He was fantastic. He was, and he's kind of worked his way back into the rotation. Now, I don't know if it's more so matchups right now or Jay's just actually trying to work him back in, uh, but he's getting playing time now, and this was something that, I mean, I was personally saying I didn't think was going to happen again, and I even think you were on that train too. But he's uh, he's back in it, and he went 4-4 four four the, the other night, and that's uh, pretty good. And even Brandon Slater got in on the action going 3-4 or four from the field. Everyone was hitting everything. It doesn't matter from where or wherever. I mean, 18 of their 33 made shots. <laughs> or threes and they made them like that's just crazy yeah and you also got to see some chris archie diakonos and brian antoine yeah that's always yeah. good the mm-hmm. antoine thing i mean we're gonna have to wait and see there's so many different things you can talk about it but uh it's looking like i don't know about you chris but it's looking like this is just a pretty much a burner year for him unfortunately yeah it kind of sucks and very very disappointing it is it really is and it's not like jq in the sense where it's like you kind of needed JQ, or at least I thought you kind of needed JQ last year to kind of play because it just felt like, I don't know, you just needed someone else out there. I mean, obviously, I would love Brian Antoine to be playing right now, but it's not, I don't feel like it's as pressing of a need this year. Yeah. I'm sure, you know, I, I'm sure everyone was thinking when you're destroying DePaul and there was like eight minutes left, you could, you could have put him out sooner. Could have put him out sooner. Well, but, I mean, that's always been. Yeah. But you can't <laughs> complain. I mean, 20 point no. win, 18 three pointers. 
on the DePaul side, it wasn't, you know, everybody was forgettable. I don't even – Charlie Moore, I know he did absolutely nothing. He, yeah, locked him down. Clamps. Clamps. Yep. After basically going off for like a career gaming until and over last time out. And when you have Paul Reed and Jalen Coleman Lance trying to do it inside, I'm sure, you know, you don't have to be a math major or anyone to figure out uh, three points is more than two. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Even with that, no one else was hitting for them. So it was just so predictable. DCR was having the best game of the season, you know, on the boards and inside. So I was perfectly okay with him. And then going into Xavier, we knew that the three-point shooting wasn't exactly going to carry over. This is an excellent nope. defensive squad. And in their house, it's not going to be easy to shoot on them. But even with Villanova dipping all the way back down to 24% from long range, 7-29 to 29 overall, like you said, Chris, I, I didn't really feel like the game was really in jeopardy. Even when it was close earlier on, I, it really looked like Villanova was able to win. And what made me so happy was you know that Colin Gillespie is going to be the top man on everybody's scouting report. And on a day where he did absolutely nothing scoring-wise, he did distribute and he did facilitate, but 2 of 11 on the floor, 0 for 6 from deep after being hot against DePaul. Only four points for the game. You saw other guys step up. Jermaine Samuels looked like his self again. 17 points, eight boards. Justin Moore, 13 points, six rebounds, three assists. Sadiq Bey, another one for the NBA draft highlight compilation. He looked like a big boy again. 22 points, four of nine from deep, just carrying the scoring load. And then on the Xavier side, you had the usual guys. Tyreek Jones, he had another double-double. 17 points, 14 boards. Paul Scruggs with 10 points, 8 boards. And then Najee Marshall adding 15 and 8. Chris, what stood out to you from this game? Yeah, you kind of mentioned it earlier that Gillespie was kind of a no-show basically throughout the game. And the fact that we were able to find supplemental scoring. Like you said, Jermaine Samuel, 7 to 10 from the field, 1 to 1 from beyond the arc. Like, he was doing like some stuff that we really haven't seen all this year. Um, attacking the basket with a, a lot, much more regularity, I thought. And after we, after we kind of discussed last episode that he really hasn't been doing that all that much, he even had those two fadeaway Jays from basically the free throw line, which is uh, something new to that arsenal. Uh, I prefer not to see those again. But <laughs> if they're falling, kind Can't of hate on it. Can't yeah. hate on it if they're falling. Yeah, if they're falling. That was good to see him hitting basically everything. He basically carried the team, at least early on. Uh, Sadiq Bey doing basically everything in his power to keep the three-point shooting at least somewhat respectable. 4-9 uh, from beyond the arc, and he had some nice post moves as well. And with Gillespie only going 2-11 and 0-6 from deep, I, I felt like he still played a, a good game distributing the ball. Like, he had six assists. I thought he did some good things on the boards as well. I thought he was he had a nice box out toward the end of the game for a big rebound. I will say one thing though, and I don't. I, hopefully, this isn't an issue down the road. He did kind of force a lot. I felt like, especially from deep, he was just he was hacking up some long threes. And I understand you want to get him going, and I'm perfectly fine with that. But there were times where I was like, all right, Colin, let's uh, let's pass the ball around. I was a little upset with the ball movement this game i didn't think it was as crisp as like as we were talking about against temple certainly not against the paul either even jay was kind of saying it in his uh, halftime thing with uh, i forget who interviewed him but he was saying like the offense was uh, not very pretty uh, it cleaned itself up a little bit in the second half but not so much jerry had a nice game on the boards and uh, basically xavier couldn't really get anything going they had a couple of open threes in the beginning, which was a little bit frustrating because they're not exactly the most efficient from beyond the arc. But those three threes they made in the first half, that was, that was it. I don't think they made one in the second half. Good job by the Villanova defense for sure to hold them to 55. 
Yeah, the defense was very solid, holding a team to just 35.7% for the whole entire game and virtually nothing from long range. Chris, you say it all the time. How big is a road win in this conference? How big? How big? Huge. How humongous. Right now, Villanova's won four straight, looking very good after that three-game slide earlier in the month. Honestly, I'm starting to forget about that happened. It certainly sparked uh, one of the teams that beat them. Uh, In Creighton, they seem to be... uh whipping everybody right now. But yeah, that, that seems like a very long time ago, that those uh, three games, even though it was at the beginning of the month. What a difference a couple of weeks make, and also what a difference winning makes. For sure. If they were losing these games, I'm sure we would find something to nitpick. Like the turnovers. <laughs> if you look at the ball, they, they turned the ball over 17 times, but then they were able to clean it up against Xavier, only turning it over nine. So they played very good against Paul and Xavier. They played a dirty game, but in a good way. So, yeah, it was definitely um, a good week for the Cats. Not much to complain about. No, no, not at all. And that's coming from me, where I complain about everything. So next up for the Cats, we got St. John's. And the Johnnies, if you're looking over, if anyone is familiar with St. John's Twitter, it's it's a, wow, it's a, it's a dumpster fire. <laughs> Desolate wasteland you need. Oh, my God. They had so much promise, and I was totally on board with them. I was like, wow, Mike Anderson's already doing work in this first season. 11-2 and two in non-con play, ending things with a big win over Arizona. And then, well, kind of just like DePaul, it was like, all this hype, all this stuff was ready to happen. This was going to be the year. And then everything just fell by the wayside. St. John's is 3-11 in Big East play. They're coming off losses to Xavier and Seton Hall. They've just been struggling so much. And then you have Mustafa Heron struggling with injuries. It's just been it's been a rough go in conference play. The St. John's fans are starting to lose their patience, which is never a good sign, especially when you have a first-year head coach. Can't lose your patience yet. But, Chris, they're 14-13. and 13. Mm-hmm. 3-11 and overall in Big East play. We know that this team is all about the defense. We've seen them before. Villanova crushed them at the Garden. I thought it was a very well played by the Cats. Yes. Now the Johnnies are coming to PA. I'm not scared. How about you? No, not at all. I, I remember going into that St. John's game, I was a little bit uh, timid, especially because uh, Jermaine Samuels wasn't playing. Remember when that was a thing? Yes. Uh, it, it was, a uh, again, feels like forever ago. But he didn't play, and Villanova – probably played one of their best games up until that point, dropping 79 on the Johnnies and holding them to under 60. I mean, obviously, their big guy is LJ Figueroa, but he really didn't do all that much against Saint, uh, against Villanova last time out, 5 of 14, 2 of 8 from beyond the arc. Raheem Dunn was the big problem last game, if you remember. He dropped 24 for the Johnnies, 10 of 16 from be- from the field, 3 of 5 from beyond the arc. So look out for those two to do some damage again. I know you mentioned Heron has some injury trouble right now. But, you know, you know how those things go. He'll probably drop 50 tomorrow night or something. <laughs> so, i say that facetiously, obviously. But those are the three guys you got to look out for. Champagne and Erlington, they're both making a little bit of a name for themselves now. They're get, working their way into the rotation. But I, I'm not concerned whatsoever with this game. At home, you, you should take care of business now. You're winding down at the end of the season. The St. John's, it kind of looks like they're checking out now. If you saw that game against Seton Hall, they they did not look competitive whatsoever, I felt like. Uh, So you should probably take care of this this Wednesday night. Yeah, it's one of those things that these are the gimme games at home, and you got to take them. You got to take the freebies, especially in this conference. And we got a tight race at the top going on between Nova, Seton Hall, and Creighton. So can't afford any slip-ups. Not that I'm expecting one. The St. John's team, they're all about the defense, but offense is just – 
no, they, they can't. They struggle when it comes to scoring. They struggle when it comes to getting a bucket. And if LJ Figueroa isn't going to get it going, that's going to be a problem. Now that we have one less weapon to worry about, if Heron continues to sit out, it's going to be looking pretty good. I mean, all you have to worry about is Rasheem Dunn and Figueroa. Other than that, you know, you take good care of the ball because this is a very good defensive team. They're great at generating turnovers. So as long as we can take care of the ball, don't give them any extra opportunities to score because they're going to need every single one with the way that they've been shooting and their lackluster percentages on the floor or from deep. So I think Nova should take care of business. Just don't turn over the ball. Lock down on those key guys that Chris mentioned, and we should be good to go. Bring out the brooms. I just don't know how St. John's has gotten to this point. I, I really was expecting bigger and better things from them. It's a little bit disappointing, but I guess that's just what happens when you're a rebuilding program, it seems like. Just bad things just seem to find your way. And it's a shame. thought they were turning the corner with Paul, but alas, not meant to be. Yeah, it's kind of like what happened last year when they had that promising start to the year. Granted, this year's non-consulate blows last year's out of the water. Like, it's not even close. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and the fact that they did so well this year, I actually, you know, I thought that this was going to be the year. But as we saw, once they started losing, once they started pointing the fingers a little bit, started getting a little uneasy, huh. and then losses started piling up, oh, man. Here we are today. They're in 11. Yeah, not not good whatsoever. This no. is worse than this biggest record is worse than last year for them, right? It is. I, I would think. I don't, yeah. I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah, the last year they were 8 and 10 and they finished <laughs> second to last. Well, it looks like they're going to finish second to last actually with the it's going to be between them and DePaul again. Oh. <laughs> Battle of the wits over there. Uh yeah, that's um that's not good. No, oh, no, Even, no. I mean, no. at least they were eight and ten last year. This this year, they already surpassed the loss mark. So, hopefully, it gets worse. This game is going to be at the Pavilion, six thirty p.m. tip on Wednesday night. Chris, last time St. John's was at our house, they kind of gave us a little run for our money. I mean, granted, they were ranked at the time. What mm-hmm. do you think is going to happen this time around? Let's hear your prediction. Uh, Villanova by double digits. I think they take care of business. Wire-to-wire victory, Villanova by 12. Wire-to-wire victory, Villanova by 15. Honestly, anyone can have a day. Everyone should have a day. I I would hope so. I would hope hope so, too. I don't think that this one's going to be an issue, especially to be back at home. This is one of those that they need to win. For sure, and hopefully there's no funny business like in 2018 when St. John's came into Wells Fargo and beat top five Villanova at the time. Yeah, eventual national champion, despite being a very poor team at the time. Yes, yes, that was ridiculous. But hopefully we'll avoid that. Chris, while I'm not really expecting insanity to happen on Wednesday night, and I think Villanova should take care of business, this last week, though, a lot of shenanigans going around in the college basketball world while we were gone. What shenanigans happened this past week? Oh, plenty of upsets. Upsets galore. Between yep. San Diego State finally losing, which I'm not, I'm not too surprised. It's not easy to go undefeated. And granted, they might be in an easy conference or they might not, you know. But yeah. it's not easy to be undefeated. So it was going to happen eventually. Mm-hmm. And then also Baylor losing. Although that wasn't really like a major upset, unlike no. the San Diego one losing to an unranked team. Right. But it was still a pretty big loss. Losing at home to a conference foe in Kansas, that's pretty big. And not not just for Baylor in Kansas, but for uh, Villanova as well, for the Villanova twist on it. Because now that Kansas win just looks that much better. And yes, I know we lost to Baylor too, but still. As long as you're both good, it's fine. (laughs) Yes, yes, that's exactly. So I I think that's probably best case scenario is that Kansas beat Baylor and now everything looks great. Do you remember though when we lost to Baylor? And we were just kind of sitting there thinking, 
Oh, man. <laughs> I really hope this loss doesn't look rough. <laughs> <Fight 'em. laughs> yeah, same with the Ohio State game. And then Ohio State for a while, they were looking like a top-five team. Granted, they, they fell off, but yes. it was a little reassuring. Yeah, it was. And uh, I'm glad that Baylor has kind of taken that step. And because, obviously, it's because they beat Villanova. They t- took that championship pedigree and invested it into them to run through their blood now. So, uh, yeah, glad they're good and glad Kansas was able to beat them at the same time. Um, you also had Gonzaga losing this past weekend on Saturday at on the road against BYU in a uh, pretty non-competitive game, it felt like. Uh, you had that crazy Oregon-Arizona ending. Marquette lost on the road against Providence. Yeah. Villanova will be seeing Saturday. And Providence just seems to be good against the good teams and bad against the bad teams. Then this past Sunday, you had Creighton absolutely <laughs> destroy Butler. Gotta uh, love the Blue Jays. Dude, man, I, I hate to say it, but, like, I, I think I'm I'm buying Creighton Blue Jay stock, like, right now. Like, oh, I man. I should have bought it, like, weeks before. But I should have bought it. I, I'm buying it right now, man. I was telling they're, you before the preseason when those polls came out, I was like, did. they're sleeping on them. They're sleeping on them, which is yeah. an injustice. Because this is virtually the same team as last year. With all mm-hmm. the offensive firepower, but they're figuring out defense, which is brand new for a Creighton team. Now that they're actually kind of forming a defense, they help Butler under 60 at home. Like, that's crazy. They're, yeah, they're they the hot team actually, right now. Everybody's they, talking they about them on a national the level, too. They are the hot team. And I know, obviously, we all want Villanova to win that, uh, that regular season title. But I, I think Creighton, if Seton Hall slips up, I think Creighton's right there for the uh, right there for the taking. Obviously, they're tied with Villanova right now, but still, you, you get what I'm saying. Maryland lost on the road against Ohio State, so there we go. Another little Villanova tie-in, so Ohio State looking a little bit better than usual, and Penn State lost on the road to Indiana. Yeah, oh, my God, they got (laughs) wrecked. I mean, they made it a little more competitive, like, midway through, but in the beginning, they were getting slapped around. They they were, they were, and that, it's like they cracked the top ten. I was like, okay, that's it, we're done. We we had our fun this season. Yeah, just like Rutgers and then DePaul when they were in the receiving vote section. (laughs) They, they can't really rest it on their laurels a little bit. <laughs> We've come too far. We already did it, guys. Anything else is a bonus. Yeah. <laughs> Raise the banner. Receiving votes, 2019-2020. Just some other ranked teams that went down. Colorado at home against UCLA. West Virginia on the road against TCU. Seems like Villanova was like the only team to come out unscathed this week. All right, all right. Don't, don't, give, don't give St. John's any ideas. No, 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 no. This past week. You no, know? I'm saying I know, I know, but oh, oh, oh I yeah, see, coming I see. up, coming up, yeah. Okay, okay, all right, that's fine. I'll I'll roll my dice with that. But it's always fun. You gotta love the chaos. It's oh, it, at it least at least it's fun when it doesn't happen to your team. Exactly. It's it's fun when your team avoids the chaos, but everybody else is uh, chaotic. Uh, week. Yeah, it's, it's all uh, fun and game until watch. it happens to you, and then you're like, oh. <laughs> Oh, oh, damn! <laughs> yeah, I was waiting for the chaotic week. It, it had it had been a while. I think we had our turn, honestly. I think that three game lo- losing streak that might have been our turn. Villanova centric, yes, but I'm, I'm saying in, in college basketball generalness. There was the that one a couple weeks for like five weeks ago, like for five weeks in a row. Yeah, but there was that one a couple weeks ago where everyone just kind of dropped. Oh yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah you're right. Yeah, you're talking about like there was an upset every every which way this week so yeah this week this weekend was was pretty fun it was now hopefully for Villanova's sake there is no for those teams though if there was a time to lose it's right now this is the time as Villanova has shown you in 2018 and 2016 
yeah, <laughs> yeah, have your galvanizing moment, and you can peak. Uh, that way, you're not peaking, because you know that's a thing. That's I love that narrative. It's like, oh, they peak too early. <laughs> no, that's I don't think that's a thing, but whatever. Uh, I buy into that more though than the whole. It's hard to beat a team three times. Oh, really? I beat the, I, I I buy the opposite. I think that's actually impossible. Oh, really? In football. Fo- I buy it in football, not so much college basketball. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, in college basketball, I don't really think it's a, it's an issue. Yeah, because yeah, I, I feel like the talent disparity kind of lends itself to where you can beat teams three times in a year. Football, I think teams are just so close, even like the worst against the best. I still think it's kind of difficult, but that's um, that's a whole other sport. So. Yeah, exactly. Apples to oranges. Yes. Apples to jackfruits. To what? Jackfruits. What the heck are those? It's exotic. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> okay. We're getting into exotic fruit territory. Let's yeah, get we're... back on track. I think we should be getting back on script, Eugene. We're talking about exotic fruits. Yeah. Yeah, we should. We should. We should. Now, <laughs> before we move on, I just wanted to bring something that was totally had my attention. And because we didn't have an episode on Thursday, we didn't get to really talk about it. I don't know if you saw, but this, was, this has been discussed before. This is not a new occurrence. This is not a new idea. But the Big Ten had proposed that there should be a one free move for transfers. No strings attached. So, for example, right now, obviously, if you transfer, putting aside any hardship waivers or anything like that, if you transfer from one Division One school to another Division One school, you got to sit out a year. You got to wait. Now, you can put in waivers and things like that into play, and that changes everything. But the general rule of thumb standard, you got to wait. Now, the Big Ten, they want to put in a move where players, student athletes, whatever the NCAA wants to call them, can transfer and they won't have to wait a year. But if you move again, if you move to another school, let's say, you know, you, you transfer once and then you want to move again, then you got to wait a year. Chris, one free move. Now, this has gotten a lot of dialogue over the last week. You have coaches weighing in, national reporters weighing in. Jeff Goodman called it the death. This would be the death of college basketball. <laughs> That's good. What is your opinion on this? Do you agree with the Big Ten legislation? They they put this idea back in October. Do you think that student-athletes should be allowed in all sports? It wouldn't just be college basketball, but just using college basketball as an example. Yeah. Do you think that they should be allowed to transfer freely without having to wait a year? Uh, yeah, I don't really think that that's much of an issue. Like, I, I guess the argument against it would be like people will just be leaving every so often but if they do put the cap on after once i mean i guess that would kind of prevent it after the fact and if a kid doesn't like where he's going boy i don't think that should be much of a hindrance and let them get to the nba faster so i mean that's always kind of the goal for everybody i would think yeah i have no problem with it whatsoever i i actually kind of like it not that i think the system right now is broken where they have to change it but if you do institute it. I have no issue with it whatsoever. I don't understand how it would be the death of college basketball. If you want to retort on that, please be my guest and lend me some knowledge, but I really have no issue with it. The mainstream argument against it is that the big boy colleges, the big time programs are just going to simply poach the smaller ones. So you're going to see the rich get richer and then the mid-majors or you know that guy who's a 30-point scorer for I don't know, a CAA school, he's going to be gone. Do you think that that's an issue? Like a Duke comes around and is like, oh, Miles Powell, please step into my office. <laughs> no, no, because wouldn't they just have a reduced role at that point? And is, like, if they're, wouldn't you think they would have a better shot of making the NBA if they're dropping 30 every night at 
whatever college. Like, like, like if Damian Lillard transferred from Weber State or Weber State, however you want to pronounce it, to like, like UNC, do you think he would have been as noticeable and would have gotten drafted? I don't know. I think he would have gotten more exposure, but I, right. but yeah. yeah, he wouldn't have as near the same numbers or anything like that. Right. Well, I guess the exposure thing. Yeah, I guess once you factor that in, I guess obviously not. And not everything's stat based. I understand that. Yeah, but I understand that. But mm. and, and I don't I think it's see yeah. the argument for it. But I don't. I don't have an issue with it. If they want to go wherever they want to go, let them go. Who cares? Yeah, and at the end of the day, there's only so many guys on a basketball team. You know, it's not like there's going to be magically be more scholarship spots or more roster spots. And right. not only that, I mean, you can say, yeah, the rich get richer, but all the rich needs to do is look outside their, you know, pull out their binoculars and look at the class of 2020, 2021, all these <laughs> high schoolers up and coming. I mean, that's going to, yeah, that's going to take some roster spots. I mean, Duke's already sold its soul for the one and done. So, right. so no hold bar now. Right. Yeah. And, and, and with the, the rich get richer thing, like, how many guys from like Kentucky and Duke have you seen transfer out that were ranked like top 20 in like the ESPN 100 recruiting? Exactly. Like, yeah. I feel like they transfer out just as frequently as they would like anywhere else. So, like, I'm yeah, trying to think of like a name. Like, Harry, you know, Harry Giles stayed there at Duke. I, I forget, like, uh, just, Chase, like, Chase Jeter, Jordan Tucker. Yeah. 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 Like, there's guys who fall out of favor in the rotations there. And it's like, do you think. Like, why not you guys? Like, when you were to, if you were to transfer there, so yeah, it's a, yeah. At the end of the day, there's still five guys who play on the court at any given moment. Only a certain amount of minutes to go around. Sure, they could poach guys, but at the end of the day, you know, the guy that they poach could be the 14th man on the team. Right. Yeah. So that that doesn't make sense, and that would that would wreck your ex- potential for exposure. And if you're not playing as much, you're obviously not going to be well-known and you won't be able to develop your skills as much. And uh, there goes your shot at the NBA. So why not just stay in the program where you can possibly lead and do things, you know? Yeah. At the end of the day, I mean, if us regular common student folk wanted to go to another school, no one's going to stop us. Right. I was going to, I was actually just about to make that point. Like imagine if we couldn't take classes for a year because we transferred. Like that would just be stupid. <laughs> oh yeah, but not not only that. Like you know, we can transfer f- freely, no problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's no, no issue whatsoever. That's why I'm saying, like, wherever they want to go, let them go. Uh, the other thing that's crazy too is that this restriction where student athletes have to wait a year is only for D1 to D1 movements. Like for example, if you go from an FBS school to an FCS school for as a football player, you can play mm-hmm. right away. Why is that allowed? Oh, why really? is, yeah. A, oh wow, I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. If you transfer down a level, it's not a problem. Just out of curiosity, with D three to D three, would you have the redshirt? Oh, now now you're asking too many follow up questions. Oh, okay. Sorry, sorry. I'm gonna have to call some people up and double check that. Oh. But uh, I like I know for example, FBS to FCS. Yes, if you, you transfer go. down a level, you're you're free to go. Oh wow, that's um. Yeah, that's how James Madison got so good. <laughs> Wait, actually, Wait, actually, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, wow, that's that's cool. Oh, I I didn't know that. Yeah, like I said, let them do what they want. Who cares? I severely doubt it will be the death of college basketball. And if it becomes an issue, then just put the cap on it again. Who cares? Yeah, that's the thing. There is that cap, which at the end of the day, I feel like it, we should be good. If it, it would be another thing if it was like students should be able to transfer freely unlimited amount of times. Yeah. yeah, I don't think it would be the death. I think it's a little overdramatic. No. I mean, yeah, that's that's ridiculous. 
Now, will the NCAA go ahead with this? No. I'd be shocked if they did. <laughs> I'd be shocked. The NCAA making a good decision? No. Not a shot. What I would like to know is, even if the NCAA does put this together, and let's say they do put this in action, I would love to know what the conference rules will be. Because right now, they're already kind of hard on you, where it's like, oh, yeah, you can transfer anywhere you want, just not in conference. But would they block more mm-hmm. moves? Like, I, I would be curious to see if that would be another obstacle mm-hmm. that comes up. Yeah, that's a good point, too. Yeah, I, I don't know what they would do in that case. There, there are restrictions right now with that, right, with the conference stuff. Yeah, each, yeah, each conference has their own rules. I know you can't – well, in the case of the Big East or other conferences, mm-hmm. usually the general rule is you can't con- uh, transfer within conference. I would guess it would kind of have to stay the same at that point. Yeah, and at the end of the day, too, it's not like all these top college basketball players are going to call each other up and be like, yo, let's make this super team <laughs> okay. at this all school. Right. All, right. all right, that is – all right, I'll give them that. That could be a legitimate fear. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I get that, but then it's like it's all fun and games until the next high school phenom comes in and blows up your super team dream. Right. <laughs> oh, man. Well, maybe that's the thing. Maybe they – form up for the super team they leave that one position open so then when that high school phenom does come in then he just slots right in and and the, now the other thing too is like can you imagine all the the guys if this rule comes into place all the guys who hustled to like graduate early just so they can get the grad transfer the free move god all that overloading for nothing if this goes in place yeah you better hope you time it right if they do implement it <laughs> <laughs> Certainly something interesting. Yeah, a lot of people were talking about it over the over the Twitter sphere, and I I did want to weigh in on it, but unfortunately what's, we didn't have uh, a show. What's the Twitter What's the Twitter sphere uh, general feeling on it? What What are you kind of gathering? It's like, pretty mixed. Most people seem to be for it, but then you have the national guys, like Goodman and other people, for example, who are just like, "This is this is ruining my game. This is America's game, and it is getting ruined. I don't like this." Is Is the Average age of people who don't like it over forty. How'd you know? Oh, I, I just just or, a, just or you know what? you know honestly, if we're being honest, I I don't even think it's that. I think that the NCAA has a bunch of burner accounts. <laughs> They're oh, paying oh those interns. Guys. The interns got to do something. Some, yeah, that's true. Coming up with the most generic American names possible. Yeah, Mark Emmert and all those guys. Yeah, that Bastards. seems like an NCAA thing to do. Yeah, we should launch an investigation on that. God, imagine if we just like uncover this whole network of burner accounts by the NCAA. It would make so much more sense because sometimes you go on these these threads or these topics and it's like, there is no way these right. people are j- actually justifying the dumb decision that the NCAA just said. Right. Yeah, well, I mean, you never know. It is Twitter It's a, it is, and this is a big world, Eugene. It is um, a big world. But I, I would be all for an investigation. SB Nation does those type of things, so they do. Get them on it. <laughs> we have to send one over to Matt Brown and Caroline Darney. Oh, John Boyce. John Boyce. Yeah, certainly something to watch out for. But it's great that we were able to talk about this. Oh yeah, wonderful. So before we move on to questions, we just got to give a huge shout out to the Villanova women's basketball team. It was a big weekend for them too. Senior night, last game at home. Not only for the Cats, but also for Harry Pareto, who was retiring at the end of the year. And, wow, they couldn't have sent him off and the seniors in such a huge way. What an upset win over the DePaul Blue Demon. What a win. 
against the number 12 ranked team in the country. Senior night, last game at home. Harry Pretto's last game at Jake Nevin. And Villanova just demolishing the Blue Demons, 76-58. to They've had some up-and-down moments throughout the year, but they definitely saved their best for their last game at home. And then you had Cameron Onkin dishing out a triple-double, only the second in program history, which I was a little surprised about. I would have thought that there probably would have been more throughout the many, many years of Villanova women's basketball. Yeah, that's crazy. But I guess not. But her her stat line was absolutely insane. She had 12 points, 18 boards, and 10 assists, which is kind of insane for a guard. 18 rebounds. 18 rebounds. Tennis is yeah, yeah, that's that is nuts. Huge game. And then also with Maddie Segris, don't sleep on her too. She, she I mean she's been dishing out the buckets all season long, but she also had a very nice double double with twenty nine points and thirteen boards. Just a huge win for the Cats as they kinda come down the home stretch here. But just great for Harry Peretta. Gotta love it. Yeah, great send off. Last home game for him, as you mentioned earlier. Uh last couple games for Villanova has been pretty good. They beat Marquette, who they've always kind of historically struggled against. And uh, to beat DePaul, who's obviously the class of the Big East, and now they're fighting for like a 3-4 seed, maybe 2 seed if they're lucky. So yeah, it'd be nice to get a nice little high seed, potentially make a run to the final and get another crack at the, most likely at DePaul and send Harry Pareto off with a Big East championship. would be really cool. That'd be super cool. That'd be super cool. That guy's been working hard. That guy's been working hard over these last few decades. He certainly has, man. Deserves a... Uh, title to go out on top Cameron Honkin though the triple double is insane absolutely insane second in program history you said yeah second in program history but to do it with 18 boards as a guard <laughs> that's, that's so beast that's just it so is. cool it, it, it really is I mean, yeah you look at the box score and it's like how does that happen now the Lady Cats will be on the road they got a couple games to end out the regular season at Creighton and then at Providence, wrap things up. So we'll, we'll be keeping an eye out on them. We'll keep a, we'll see what goes on. But can't stress enough how awesome it is that Harry Pratt got to win his last game at Jake Nevin. Same with the seniors on that team. And you also get to upset a top 15 ranked team. Oh, it doesn't get better than that. Oh, and the triple-double too, which I can continue raving about, honestly. But we're going <laughs> to we're gonna have to keep it moving. We're going to have to keep it moving. <laughs> well, it's that time of the day where we stop what we're doing pop open the mailbag and answer the questions that you the listeners have out there for us as always you can tweet us at sonn pod ask us your questions we'll discuss it on the show we also leave them in the comments section no matter whatever you feel hopefully we'll be able to find it and we'll be able to answer those questions we got a few in here chris not as much as last time but we do have a good amount first off we got a series from jerry quinn number one pats or genos Okay, the last time I ate there was like our freshman year at both the places, and I don't remember what I liked better, but I, I have a feeling it's Pat's. I'm going to go with Pat's. I feel like your answer is neither, isn't it? It's neither, but it. But in the context of the question, if I had to pick, definitely Pat's. I had Geno's one time. Was not mm-hmm. too impressed. Was not too impressed. The great wow. signage, though. They have great signage. Got to give it to them. Yeah, it, that they do, uh, from what I remember. I don't really remember all that. <laughs> I don't really remember all that much. It was a long time ago. And it's funny, the way I looked in our college days, you would have thought I would have been there more often, but I only went once. But Pats, Pats is the winner. Yeah, I don't know if it's because I had Pats first, so it's one of those where 
that just kind of sticks out a lot more, kind of has that nostalgia vibe. But yeah. <laughs> I remember being a little disappointed with Geno's. Definitely beats whatever you have outside of Pennsylvania. Oh, my oh. God. The drop-off the drop off is insane. For sure. Absolutely. I was a moron, and I tried to get a Philly cheesesteak the other day at this deli. I just had a craving, and I was like, all right, I don't know how this is going to be. Probably not going to be that good. But you know what? I'm going to give it a shot. Regretted it. Took two bites. I was like, oh. <laughs> It's not the same. How I don't understand. What is it? It's beef. It's steak. It's a, there's cheese. There's grilled onions. Like why, why is it not the same? You put some peppers, some mushrooms. God. The way I feel it is, it's like, would you ever really want to get a bagel outside of our area? The answer is no. No. The answer is no. I could live with pizza. Like I, I'll go there, but Pennsylvania yeah. bagels? No, 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 no. Florida bagels even worse. Jesus. Yeah. Don't recommend. Just any bagel, really, outside of this tri-state area. Bad. Another food drink-related question from Jerry Quinn. The second one is Coke or Pepsi? Can't really say the last time I had either. I don't, I don't drink soda all that much. Uh, I'd probably go Coke, though, just because, you know, standard. Villanova is a Coke school. They are. They are. See, I knew, I knew subliminally I, I was choosing the right one. What, yeah. what, what are you? All that advertising finally got to you. Yeah, the Powerade, obviously. Powerade over Gatorade, right? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That was probably the worst thing. I will say, I was never a soda kid. Like, I know, like, for example, my my sister, when she first had soda, she was addicted. I just never got on the bandwagon. I just never liked soda. But if I had to pick, I think I do like Pepsi products more. If I, it's one of those things where if I had to drink a soda, because I was the only drink there, I would mm-hmm. definitely lean towards a Pepsi, but also Gatorade. Yeah, I, I can't, can't, I cannot say that Powerade is better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, Powerade's awful compared to Gatorade. That I could give you. So I guess, I guess if we're going for overarching uh, product stuff, I guess I would go Pepsi just because of the Gatorade. But uh, if we're just going for one drink, one drink only for the soda, I would go Coke. This just came into my mind, but have you ever noticed that no one ever says rum and Pepsi? It's just not a thing. No. Just just jump immediately to Coke. (laughs) And I guess now I'm lying because I guess the only time I do drink soda would be to mix it with my adult beverages. Yeah. Yes. I guess guess same here. That's a good point. No one ever says rum and Pepsi. Yeah. Or even then, even a restaurant, you know how some restaurants are like, oh, we don't carry Coke or we don't have Pepsi. We only have this. Right. Even even if you say rum and coke, no one's gonna stop you. They no, know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, it's the king. Also, I like the color blue. So Pepsi. Third question from Jerry Quinn: How many essays will the 2020 Villanova Student Challenge get this year? We have seven now. For those of you who don't know, Jerry Quinn and the Alumni Association they do a pretty cool essay contest where Villanova students can submit their quote-unquote Villanova story, talk about their fandom, talk about how they fell in love with the team, with the university. And if all goes their way, after the committee reviews it, they could potentially get a nice trip paid to the first round or the first weekend of the NCAA tournament, I should say. They've been doing this for a while now. It's pretty cool. I know the 2017 winner, and I know she had a great time. And it seems like a pretty cool thing. Seven, that seems a little too low. I feel like there's going to be more. It's one of those things, Jerry, where I'm sure after Biggie's tournament or once March rolls around, people are like, oh, yeah, it's that time. It's that time. (laughs) 
Right now, February, sleeping a little bit, sleeping a little bit. Yeah, those numbers will shoot up. I predict 18 in honor of the last championship. We'll go with uh, the year and uh, carry that over into the number of essays. This next question is from Fred Rung. Why is Germania not getting enough love as a glue guy nationally? Other than Jimmy Dribbles, I'm his biggest fan, and he does all the little things that make this team go. We may disagree on the nickname for Jermaine Samuels, but I'm with you, Fred. We love our big game Jermaine on the show, especially ever since he kind of broke out of the scene. He was a big boy down the stretch last year, especially towards the postseason. And even this year, you know, he's had his moments. He's had his big games, and he recently had a nice one. He definitely needs more love. I, I didn't realize Jermaine Samuels wasn't getting uh, all that much love. I mean, I guess nationally, I understand. Cause, you know, it's yeah, nationally, and, yeah. It's all about yeah. Colin Gillespie, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, Sadiq Bey, Brian Antoine yeah. even. <laughs> yeah, I, I bet you, yeah, actually, you're right. I bet you Antoine's probably been discussed more than Jermaine Samuels at this point. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't really get it, like, why no one likes him all that. I mean, people like him, but, like, you know what I mean, they're – the like the love's not yeah, there. He gets overlooked. He gets overlooked. Yeah, yeah, and it makes no sense to me. I think he's a phenomenal player. He does all the little things right, and he's very quiet about it. And it's, I guess, it's just the way he plays. I don't know. Like, he's always, whenever he scores like fifteen, it's always like, oh, he put up a quiet fifteen. You never just say like, oh yeah, Jermaine Samuels dropped fifteen tonight. So I, I think that's just the way it is. But he, that man, he, he is a fantastic player. I love watching him play. I will so. say, doesn't that kind of play into the glue guy narrative? Like it's the guy who's, you know, he's putting on his hard hat, going into work, doing all the little things right. They get overlooked, but I feel like that just kind of plays even more into that factor. Oh, yeah, no, 100%. 100%. I don't understand why that because of that, that, you know, in the national spotlight, it's like, oh, yeah, let's just overlook this guy. I, I don't get it. I really don't. He is the old – I guess I never thought of him as like – I never would put the term glue guy to him, but I, I guess – I never thinking about well, it. you also don't like cliches, Chris. I know how you feel about cliches. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're right. You are 100% right, even though I do use them time to time. But the glue guy cliche is uh, is one that's slowly climbing up the ranks in my uh, this despisability board. <laughs> and then this one from John Paul May. Chris, you touched upon this a little bit in the chaos and the shenanigans that went on in the college basketball world. But he tweeted and said, the circle is complete. Villanova beat Kansas, Kansas beat Baylor, Baylor beat Nova. At this point of the season, can Nova beat either Kansas or Baylor on a neutral court? Note Azbuki's performance as of late. Chris, Villanova on a neutral court against either of those two Big 12 teams. What are you mm-hmm. feeling? Uh, not good against both. I, I, although, gone to my head, I would believe they would have an easier time against Baylor uh, just because I feel like when they I feel like, yeah, I feel like in a rematch, they would do a lot better than that time. And they were right there, too. They were winning that one. They, they were, yeah. And uh, honestly, I think when we were discussing the game back whenever it was, November, that they, they should have won. They, they had every opportunity to win, and they just had like a bad, bad few possessions down the stretch, and it kind of cost them the whole game. But uh, I, I would feel like they would have a better time against Baylor. I feel like they, they would probably play well into like going back at them. Uh, after losing to them, I think they'd be well-adjusted for it. And I feel like when they beat Kansas, all the good things that possibly could happen did happen, um, despite it only being a one-point win in a very low-scoring game. I highly doubt that they can get that type of game again and win that. So that's why I would think Baylor. Um, but I, I, I wouldn't mind seeing Baylor again. I honestly wouldn't. Kansas scares me, though, just because it's Kansas. Yeah, and also, as a bookie, 
he, he is a big boy. We're not going to lie. And he did have a monster game against the Baylor Bears. I mean, what was he, like 11 for 12, 11 for 13? I know he had 23 points, 19 boards, three blocks. Like, the, the guy's insane. Something and like that. when he's able to get positioned in the post, that's it. You might as well just kiss that possession goodbye because he's more than likely going to finish it, going to dunk it, going to slam it home. Nova has done a pretty good job of making him pretty much a non-factor. I feel like they could do it again. I feel like they could, but outside of him, you're right. There were a lot of things that went right. You had an injury to a starter early on in the game. I believe it was Garrett. I don't know why I'm blanking. Uh, Dotson wasn't really a huge factor. I mean, he was, but he was he wasn't that efficient. And then you look just across the board, a, a low-scoring game. You had the home crowd behind you. I don't know about a neutral court, but – I would, I would like to see Baylor again. I think they can beat Baylor. I think they should have beaten Baylor. I, that was on a neutral court, and I think that they could have, they should have had it. So, yeah, I think Nova can do it. As for Kansas, I don't know. But then again, Kansas in the NCAA tournament against Nova hasn't been too great over these last few years. Uh, that is true. Jay Wright is Bill Self's daddy. We are 2018 Big 12 champions, so it shouldn't be a problem. It shouldn't be an issue. Right. Got to defend the title somehow. <laughs> yeah, got to defend the title. They just kept the seat warm for us. <laughs> Last question is from Brendan Riley. On a scale from 1 to 10, with 1 being a stick holding up a box and 10 being the Empire's trap that resulted in the famous line from Admiral Akbar. It's a trap! Rate the trap levels for the St. John's and Providence games. Chris, what's the trap factor here? Great phrasing of the question. I love it. Um, Excellent. Excellent scales. You know I like my scales, especially when you add random details into it. Yeah, especially when one of those details is Star Wars. I'm all for it. Uh, So the St. John's game, I mean, from when we were kind of talking about it, I think we both aren't really concerned whatsoever. I don't really view that game as a trap, mainly because the next game would be Providence on Saturday. And um, that one, I don't know if it would be a trap because – Providence has kind of made a name for themselves when they are playing the good teams right now, or at least in the Big East. So, but then, then again, Villanova does play Seton Hall that next Wednesday. So, by definition, that Providence game is a trap. So, I'd say about an eight. Providence an eight, like St. John's like a two. Well, you're going high up there. Yeah. I mean, I could see them overlooking Providence a little bit. But, like, I, I don't feel like it would be – like too outrageous to think that, but I, I think they would take care of business both times. But just because, like, I don't feel like Providence is as sneaky as they were maybe like in the beginning half of the year. St. John's one, Providence like a three in my book. I do understand that Providence is definitely heating up. It's looking like that they're doing that thing again, where Ed Cooley has them peaking at the right time. They're going to be tough. I mean, they've won three straight so far, beating Seton Hall, huge at Georgetown, solid, and then upsetting Marquette. But those big wins were at home. Yeah, they got the road win at Georgetown, but let, let's be honest. Let's be honest. Georgetown, Nova, not the same thing. Now, if this was Big East tournament semifinals, horrified. Horrified to play them. <laughs> I don't know what it is. They always get the tough one over there. They always know what they're doing. And Cooley's got the red pants. He channels his inner magic towel. And then it's a huge – it's a totally different game. But regular season, it's going to be at Nova. I'm not too, I'm not too worried. Not too worried. I don't really think that's going to be a trap game, but I do think it'll be tougher than the St. John's game. Oh, yeah, I agree with you there. It'll definitely be tougher, but I don't know. I just feel like the by definition, it is 
trap game because you got that Seton Hall game. You're staring down the barrel of that, and it might be your last chance of making a run at the Big East regular season title. So I, I severely doubt that Jay and the crew will let them overlook Providence, but that that's the only reason why I'm saying that, though. I got you. I got you. Yeah. No eyebrow Apple needed, though. No, it no. <laughs> it's a trap. All right. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for listening to the State of the Nova Nation. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast. You can do so at View Hoops or State of the Nova Nation. Look for it on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Megaphone, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I'm sure there are a couple more that I'm forgetting. Check back at the site. Check back and check often. Please be sure to follow View Hoops on social media. That's at View Hoops, and that's good for Twitter and Instagram. Like the page on Facebook. And you can follow me, Eugene Repay, at eRepay5. And I'm Chris Stanziel. I got nothing to plug. Follow the pod. Follow Eugene. Follow you. Nova Nation, let's beat some Johnnies. Let's continue to win. Let's get this streak going. And I hope you all have a good few days. We'll see you again on Thursday.